tuned into CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. It's just after 11 a.m. This is Free City Radio, and uh, we began the track with a couple um, pieces uh, by soprano saxophonist uh, Steve Lacey. This last piece uh, that we're hearing right now is a collaboration with pianist Mal Waldron. Uh, the album's called Blues for Ida. We are joined uh, in studio today by a saxophonist, um, musician, um, community health professional for many years, um, Brian Highbloom. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Stefan. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank yeah. you. Thanks for making it up here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Oh, it's really, it's my really pleasure. a pleasure to have you. 
in the studio. Um, so there's so much we could talk about, but um, while the tracks were just playing, um, uh, you mentioned, oh, this is soprano saxophone. This is uh, what, what we've been hearing, uh, soprano saxophonist Steve Lacey. This is your principal instrument, soprano saxophone, but I, I know that you've, you play many other instruments. Um, I, I guess um, just j just as a starting point, um, your experience in music, of course, transcends many, many decades, also different countries. Yes. Um, maybe just first to start, could you introduce uh, for us, a few um, aspects of the Brian Highbloom musical experience that that have been important to you in, in shaping your sound. Um, I started to play music uh, guitar. I started to play guitar at eleven years old, okay. and I had a different attitude. Uh, my goal was to try to find the music, okay. as opposed to becoming a musician. So when I started to play saxophone at 18, uh, in 1968, wow. it was really sort of one of the heights of uh, free improvisation. And because at the beginning my goal was not to practice scales or to become a musician as such, but to find out where the music would take me, the arrival of free jazz, uh, when I first heard A Love Supreme in 1965, okay. it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life, A Love Supreme. <laughs> not, not, not only did it uh, appeal to me musically, but the extra musical part of it, the spiritual element of it, sure. was essential for me. Okay, so that was just a few years before you started playing saxophone. Right? Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In a focused way. Yeah, in a more of a, it, it was more a question, uh, as I said, because I was looking for the music, the actual instrument was less important okay. to me. But after hearing A Love Supreme, I just wanted to play the horn. Then <laughs> right I just went and got a horn. Wow, wow. And played. And that, and that voyage uh, has extended uh, over many years in different places. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned... Um, sort of the spiritual element of music being important to you. Um, and I know that your music um, has taken you, of course, to many stages and you appear on many different albums of different styles of music mm -hmm. and poetry. Um, but uh, also, just so we don't forget to mention it later, um, you have done a lot of work in the medical field with with uh i was the music therapist at the jewish general hospital for 35 years what was that and how was that how was that wow, big, it was it was wild man <laughs> a free jazz guy uh wandering around in a hospital my 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 mandate was to cover the whole hospital okay. so Unlike most people who work in healthcare who are specialized to one type of practice or one unit, I got to go everywhere. And in a sense, you know, I always thought, how do they let this free jazz guy come in here and just like kind of do what I wanted? You know, I never had a restriction on who I could go and see. Okay. Uh, you know, Obviously, it was a gradual process, you know, sure. it, uh, but my goal all the time was really to see everybody. 
and bring joy to an area where there's very little joy in the hospital. Wow, 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 wow. Still visiting people in very difficult circumstances. Yeah, my my practice was basically I'd walk around the hospital and just play for everybody. Wow. You know, my question to patients, to staff, was what can I play for you? Wow. Which, for a jazz guy, was a very strange thing because most of the requests were pop music, which... Uh, I have to admit, I never really, uh, I was never really uh-huh, a pop musician, uh-huh. but, but it forced me to let go of my own prejudices. Wow. You know, and I, 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 and I think we can see that in the world of music, those people who uh, feel that they're playing more advanced music have a certain attitude. Mm. And I don't, I learned that even the simplest song, it's what you put into it not what the song is, you know, and that goes back to what I was saying before about wanting to find the music as opposed to being a musician. Um, I'd like to explore that more, but in a sense, I just had a thought about the hospital. You're really playing for the people because in in the Jewish general, you have all sorts of, all sorts of people. people. uh, We had 120 different ethnic groups in Cote d'Inege and the Jewish general. (laughs) So for me, who was always interested in uh, musics from all over the world, uh-huh. it was a wonderful thing. You know, I'd walk into somebody's room and uh-huh. uh, uh, I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you kind of a little story. Yeah. You know, I'd walk into somebody's room and, you know, it's a Jewish general hospital, so it's Jewish people there. Yeah. But because it's multi-ethnic like that, in one bed would be... Uh, a Palestinian and the next bed would be. <laughs> and so I'd go in and I'd play Arabic music for the yeah. Palestinian and I'd play uh, Jewish music for the Jewish people. Yeah. And I'd say to them, can't we live in peace together? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, the political aspect was really important. Mm-hmm. And because I was playing music as opposed to uh, anything else, I was able to trans send a little bit all those uh, artificial political divisions between people. Wow. Honestly, when all the people are lying in the bed, yeah. don't make no difference who you are, where you are, mm-hmm. where you came from, what you believe. You know, everybody just wants to get out. Everybody wants to be well. Mm-hmm. And so, wow, that's really uh, an amazing experience that you've probably had, uh, which is you know, hard to explore just in this one show, um, Brian, mm-hmm. Brian Highbloom. But um, about your musical practice, of course, um, being at the Jewish General was a, a, a big part of, of what you've done, but there's many other big parts. Yeah. And, and you talked about finding the music, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could expand on that idea. Um, you obviously have a, a, a pretty deep knowledge of, of jazz and improvisation. What does finding the music mean to you? It means thinking less of oneself and thinking that the, I, I always felt that when I was in the music and the people that I were playing, that I was playing with were in the music and the audience was in the music, then we were finding the music together. The, the other people are as important, uh, the audience is as important as the musicians. Because we can all just stay in our rooms and play all day long. But the moment that you present something to somebody else, Uh you're looking for a connection. You're looking to find something. 
You know, no matter how the people act on stage, uh, they're, they're, there's no stage without the audience. Uh -huh. So the feedback from the audience is as essential as the music that you're playing from the stage. And I guess, and part of this idea of finding the music is to sort of get rid of the distinction between who's sitting out there yeah. and who's standing up yeah. here. Because in the end, for the music to be successful, everybody has to participate. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I, I played a lot of gigs where the people clearly weren't listening. In my younger days, sure, I sure. did all the bars. And that was actually my introduction to music therapy. Because I'd look around the room and I'd think, I'm going to play so I'm going to affect that person sitting there drunk out of their mind. And I'd consciously actually be playing to that person. And that was kind of my introduction to how one can use music to help people wow. and support people. Wow. Because here in the most, uh, you know, all musicians, uh, no matter what the kind uh, people, musicians complain that people aren't listening. Oh. Like you play in a bar and everybody's drinking or doing sure. whatever they're doing. But the point is, you have to somehow find something in the music that's going to touch the people no matter what state they're in. Wow. So that was, in a way, my training to wow. to work in the hospital because yeah. if you can get the people to jump out of their seats in a bar uh, in mm -hmm. the hospital in terms of response of the people, mm -hmm. uh, it was relatively easy. Yeah. So my training was in the bars to go and work in the hospital. And, of, of course, your music's taken you to many other contexts. Um, you've collaborated of course, with the Swanee Perry Popolo Festival, uh, played with you know many different artists. One that comes to mind is Sam Shalabi. Yeah, because um, I, I I realized that you're featured on that first Shalabi Effect album, which I I pulled out of the vaults recently. I was re-listening to it, uh -huh. uh, and have worked with many artists in Montreal. So before we get to the music. Um, Montreal and improvisation or Montreal and jazz. I mm -hmm. mean, we, we see Montreal as a city and the word jazz put together often. Yeah. But for you, Brian Highbloom, what does that mean? Like, what is that connection? Why is it important? Um, even though jazz was the music that uh, I fell in love with young. Yeah. I never, and I think that's why free jazz appealed to me more than sort of straight bebop. When I started to play, uh, the whole free jazz movement was about leaving the, the bebop structures and the hard bebop structures behind. And I, I always felt that, you know, I love bebop, you know, it's not, yeah. but I didn't want to play it because I, you know, I can't be Charlie Parker. I can't be Dizzy Gillespie, I, and I didn't want to be. Yeah, you're Brian So Heibloom. I'm Brian Highbloom, and I think <laughs> the advantage of actually starting to play music in the uh, 60s was that the focus was really on who you were as a person and finding your own sound. Right on. Like, 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 that, like, like that was Coltrane's message. Mm. You know, it's not about what, it's about finding your own sound and being able to share yourself with other people. Mm. In a, in an open way, so I was fortunate. Yeah, you know the <clears throat> excuse me the uh, the the styles had changed radically. Mm. 
And in the middle 60s, the record companies just kind of didn't know what to do because before it was like Frank Sinatra and those guys. And so they signed everybody. So there was an outpouring of of freedom to try different uh, And that, of course, impacted Montreal. Uh, Yeah, Montreal was always part of the jazz circuit. Yeah. And there, there was always a very strong attachment to uh, uh, black American music here. And for a lot of the black performers who came here, it was kind of cool because it wasn't the United States. Of course, there's racism here. You know, we're not going to hide that, yeah. but of a different kind than in the United States. And there's also a very strong historic link between the Jewish community and the black community musically. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, a positive and negative. I have to say the truth, you know, the uh, financial side of the music industry uh, was really run by Jewish people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. up until at least the middle 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, if you trace who owned all the record companies. Mm-hmm. So there was that link. We, we, you know, and we see this in Hollywood too, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and the question was always, well, how come Jewish people are involved in the cinema and recording? And the reason for that was when the great waves of immigration started yeah. to come to the United States in the early 20th century, uh, the Jews weren't allowed to do very much. So they gravitated to what they could do, which happened to be new things, which were cinema and uh, recording and for some reason. And music. And music. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as uh, as I saw in the hospital, uh, the you know, I took care of the generation of Holocaust survivors. And Montreal was really a port of entry for many, many survivors. Post-war, probably Montreal and New York received the most Jewish immigrants. Wow. So we're almost out of time for the talk. So could I invite you to play a track, Brian Highblue? Sure. Yeah. I brought my soprano saxophone yeah, okay, today. Great. and uh, Well, we're in studio with Brian Highbloom here on CKUT 90.3 FM. Uh, really happy to have a live in-studio guest. Um, we only have a few minutes, but at least we'll hear something of Brian's um, beautiful uh, saxophone playing uh, live on uh, People Powered Radio here on CKUT 90.3 FM. This is Free City Radio. Give me a word, Stefan, and I'll play the word. Uh, Determination. Determination.
Wow. That's uh, Brian Highbloom playing uh, Determination <laughs> here live on People Powered Radio on CKT 90.3 FM. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure, Stefan. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, Brian Highbloom, uh, artist, musician, has worked with many uh, different artists and institutions in the city, of course, at the Jewish General Hospital um, and uh, collaborating closely with the Swanee Perry Popolo Festival many different artists um, across Montreal and beyond. Um, and I really encourage you to uh, look up and check out Brian Highbloom's work. This has been Free City Radio here on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. Do keep it locked for people-powered radio. Uh, the XX Files is coming up next. Uh.